Welcome to Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly Bible study. Please join Dr. Steve Wood every week where we can all collectively grasp a better understanding of God through His Word. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. morning. All right. Let us get started. And uh, uh, Rhonda, would you lead us in prayer as we begin? Our fathers, we come to this morning with thankful for your loving blessings and for the opportunity to be together. We thank you for your word that you give us truth. And that's what we base our lives on, is the truth from you, the absolute truth from you, and not what's around us necessarily. I just pray for your nearness to us, your, as we open your word, that you open our minds, that we will understand what you have for us in the lesson today. Be with us in our worship services, that we will stay in honor and glory to you. Thank you for your many blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I forgot the microphone. Okay, uh, our lesson today is on the apostles, as the uh, Apostle Paul is talking about them and uh, the message he's given to uh, 1 Thessalonians. And he's addressing the slanderous charges from the Judaizers who claim that he was only out for personal gain and acting Acted, acted out of bad motives. <laughs> motives like greed. The accusations were so mean that the Apostle Paul's work was in danger of being undermined. And so he needed to address these things. And that's what we're going to be looking at at uh, the first 12 verses here in chapter 2. Actually, we can divide this uh, passage of Scripture into two different areas, verses 1 through 6. The uh, faithful servant is the subject of that. And then uh, verses 7 and 8, where it talks about a loving mother. And then 9 through 12, a consecrated father. So parents... In the last half, the uh, last six verses that we're going to be looking at, parents, a mother, a loving mother, uh, and then a consecrated father. All right. So as we look at this, the apostles' witness is the first thing that we see in verses 1 and 2. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our visit with you was not without result. On the contrary, after we had previously suffered and we were treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, we were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel of God to you in spite of great opposition. <coughs> so as they came to Thessalonica, they didn't come with the idea that things were going to be okay. They suffered in Philippi, 
they expected the government was going to have to go through some hard times in uh, Thessalonica as well because uh, they knew the makeup of the city, much like the city of Philippi, and uh, they were going to be facing some of the same things in Thessalonica that they faced in Philippi. And indeed they did. But he says their brief ministry here wasn't without result. Literally wasn't ineffective. Or it wasn't without purpose. God was blessing in their ministry. In the things they had to say. In the things that they did. He responds to the people's accusation of him acting insincerely with the wrong motives. The phrase, you know, is used actually six times. Not in those exact words, but uh, uh, the idea of you know in these 12 verses, six times. Now, divide 12 by 6. How many is that, Bob? <laughs> Two. Two. Half the time, in other words, he's spending talking about you know. <clears throat> and it's important for these people at Thessalonica to know these things. Our personal lives speak powerfully to how people view our faith and our dedication to Christ. What do our, our personal lives show them? What do they see from us as we walk every day among them? Our behavior demonstrates for others the validity and the biblical authenticity of what we say and what we profess to believe. Is it consistent? Because of the Apostle Paul's brief time in this city and his hurried departure, Jewish opponents were claiming that his time in Thessalonica was a failure. That he had just failed. He shouldn't have even gone there. But Paul says that there were results. He had boldly witnessed in spite of great opposition. Opposition here is a Greek word, agon, from which we get the word agony. So we see the stress. We see how hurtful these things were to him as he had ministered here in this city. Now the Apostle Paul here in this particular letter doesn't name the opponents but the book of Acts as it tells us about Paul's ministry there tells us that it was Jews who were jealous of his converts of the people that he was winning to the Lord. Now, he calls his opposition great. Literally, 
It can be translated from many sources or at many times. In other words, it, it has the idea of it was a lot of different things, not just one thing. So great in the idea of these oppositions being from many different angles and many different people. Now, the Apostle Paul's steadfastness in the face of persecution proves the genuineness of his motives. People usually suffer only for what they believe and what they take seriously in their lives. Now think about this now for just a moment. We don't know how large the church was in Thessalonica, but the Apostle Paul started the church. And he was there only a short period of time. And there were a number of believers. This church was significant in its witness after the Apostle Paul left. So we can say his ministry there was effective. And because of his brief time in the city, his opponents ridiculed him, asking why he left so quickly. But there was a reason for it. Let's notice his motives in verses 3 through 6. For our exhortation didn't come from error or impurity or an intent to deceive. Instead, just as we, as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please men, but rather God, who examines our hearts. For we never use flattering speech or speech, as you know, or had greedy motives. God is our witness. And we didn't speak, uh, we didn't seek glory from him. His confident claim here that he and the other missionaries that were with him had been approved of God. The Greek word for approved here, by the way, describes the process of being tested by thought, determining whether something was genuine or not. Evidently, in that day and time, people were trying to pass off coins that were supposed to be made of gold, made of other metals. And so if you put it in a farm, what does gold do? It will melt pretty quickly. And so if that material began to melt a little bit, oh, that was genuine gold. If it didn't melt, it was made out of something else. And so not accepted. So that's the idea that is given in this verse of Scripture. Tested. Approved. And he also witnessed 
that he and his fellow missionaries didn't speak error or impurity, if you will, or and have an intent to deceive the people. The word error comes from a word meaning to one or to wrong or, if you, if you will, to get off the subject. Now, preachers <clears throat> have a tendency to do that every once in a while. Have you ever heard of getting on a wild goose chase? Or chasing a rabbit? <laughs> what do we mean by that? Well, they're leaving their subject, what they had intended to speak on, and they're going off in a different direction. I think Satan has something to do with that because he doesn't want us to stay on the subject. He doesn't want us to expound on the truth. He wants us to talk about other things that are not necessarily important. So, he didn't act improperly. <clears throat> he didn't use things that would be from personal uh, ambition or pride or greed. He was following the Lord. He was dedicated to doing His will. So instead, in the ministry that He had there, He and His companions did everything that they could to those people with the gospel of Christ. To help them understand the message of Christ. Now remember a lot of these people in Thessalonica were Greeks. They weren't Jews. Now some of them had been, uh, been converted to Judaism. Some attended the um, Jewish place of worship at the synagogue. So they had had a knowledge of the true God through the Jews. But most of these Greeks were idol worshippers. People coming from a different mindset completely and didn't know about God. And so, uh, as the Apostle Paul directed them to Christ, he had a whole different kind of ministry with them than he had with the Jews. The Jews had a background to know about the Messiah that was coming, right? These idol worshippers had no idea about a Messiah. They weren't looking for anybody to come. They were false worshipers. They worship false gods. Idols. <clears throat> now, notice again, these individuals as they ministered to them, were not seeking flattery from those individuals that they 
talk the word of God to them. They weren't play acting. They weren't con artists. As they were being accused of being. You see, a con artist put on a mask. They pretended to be something that they weren't. And so the idea of that is wrapped up here in what the Apostle Paul is saying. We didn't wear a mask. We were open, honest, and true with you in everything that we did. The Greek text here shows an extremely strong denial by the Apostle Paul on those things that he was being accused of. Three times the word not is used by him in this passage. He was especially sensitive to a charge that he was motivated by worldly ambition or personal glory. He was there for his own profit and his own benefit. And he was telling them that that wasn't true. Now let's look at the apostles' <coughs> behavior and purpose. Again, back in the last part of verse 6 through verse 9. He says, either from you or from others. Although we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles, instead we were gentle among as a nursing mother nurtures her own children, we cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. Because we had become, you had become so dear to us. For you remember our labor and hardship, brothers, working night and day so that we would not burden any of you, we preach God's gospel to you. In Thessalonica, the apostles worked at secular jobs. More than likely, Paul was a tenant. That was his secular profession, if you will. And they were there with the intent of not being a burden. Instead of being a burden, they were, uh, they were gentle among, uh, among them, like a nursing mother. Literally mild, easygoing, gentle. Well, we can just imagine that a nursing mother can how she treated her child. And he was saying, we were like that among you. And he compares the missionary's attitude to a wet nurse caring for her children. Their relationship with new believers was pictured like a gentle, tender individual. A person who careful and need more baby. And then, rather than burdening the Thessalonians, the missionaries burdened themselves. 
They work night and day. Did you notice that? Toiling at their jobs. Now, the church at Philippi had sent the Apostle Paul some money. Evidently, it was enough for him to stop work. But he didn't want to do that because he was setting an example to the Thessalonians about how they ought to work. And to prove that they weren't religious frauds who were a financial burden to the church, not just to the Thessalonian church, but to other churches. They didn't want to be a burden. Some people have used these verses of Scripture to say that preachers should not get a salary from the church. But the Apostle Paul himself talks about the church's responsibility to support their pastor. And even though in this early day and time he was trying not to be a burden to the churches, it was right for the churches to support their ministry, their pastor. Now let's look at verses 10 through 12, the apostle's way of life. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how devoutly, righteously, and blamelessly we conducted ourselves with you believers. As you know, like a father with his own children, we encouraged, comforted, and implored each one of you to walk worthy of God, who calls you in his own kingdom and glory. The call to the readers to witness, to testify, if you will, about how the apostle Paul lived among them. And he not only called on them to be a witness, but on God as his witness of how he and his companion had behaved themselves in Thessalonica. Notice the word devout. That comes from a Greek word that describes one's duty toward God. You've heard of, you've heard the word devout used before. Meaning duty. And of course, the idea here is duty toward God. And how one acts in accordance to one's relationship with God. And then righteousness stresses one's relationship with the people around them. Living a righteous life. The way other individuals are able to see them and understand them. Righteousness. How consistent are they in their lives with what the Word of God tells us we ought to do? <clears throat> this is what he means by righteous. And blameless. That word means without blame. 
not faultless in the sense of sinlessly perfect. None of us are bad, are we? But free from accusation of wrongdoing, they couldn't accuse the Apostle Paul of doing wrong. He was blameless among them. And then, for the third time, Paul asked the Thessalonians to remember his way of life. Think about how I lived among them. He introduces a new metaphor here. He and the other missionaries were like a father who cares for their children. Now, I told you at the beginning today, we were going to be looking at how they ministered among them as a mother, a tender mother taking care of her newborn child, and then also as a father, a loving father, how he cares for his children. And so, remember his way of life, you say, among them, that I was like that. Note the difference in metaphors. A wet nurse feeding and caring for our children. And a father, as he cares for his child, and so provides teaching, example, before the children, that they might follow the correct way. That they might do right. Now, he says that he encouraged, comforted, and implored the believers to live holy lives and to walk worthy of God. He also like a good earthly father, in wanting success for his Thessalonican believers, his children there, you might say, he encouraged them to walk worthy of the Lord. The highest goal for Christians is for us to be members of His kingdom and bring glory to Him as we live our lives here on this earth. Note, He says God calls us. That's not just for missionaries. That's not just for pastors and preachers. But God calls all of us to live a worthy example before those men. He doesn't say that we earn a place in God's kingdom, but God calls us to salvation. This is His grace. And He calls us to walk worthy. Our walk flows from our salvation as a result of being saved, as a result of knowing Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. It's a never, it's never 
given as a picture in the scriptures of earning our salvation. Now, we don't earn salvation. Salvation is a gift. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should works. So I think it's important for us to think about that as we're looking at the Apostle Paul's life and how he was a worthy example before the Thessalonians. Are we a worthy example before those that we live among? I think it's important for us to think about that. What we say, what we do, even what we think as we have a responsibility to be a witness to those that will come in contact. Alright, in conclusion today, in chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians, we saw a model church. Now, in verses 1 through 12 of chapter 2, we see a model Christian in the church. Leaders like the Apostle Paul and his companions who had set a good example for them. He considers it his highest purpose to instruct these individuals, to encourage them, to Show men and women how not only to be saved, that's important, isn't it? But to have how to be true followers of Jesus Christ and live a life worthy of God's kingdom. We're called into God's kingdom. And we're going to experience one day His glory in His kingdom. But it's a privilege for us to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. It's a privilege for us to live and serve Him here on this earth. And it's absolutely critical that we conform to God's standards. Here's God's standards. The Word of God. And so it behooves us to know the Word of God, to study it, to make application to our lives. We're called to the highest standards, God's own nature and holiness. We're called to be like Him. Jesus, while He was on earth, told his followers to be like him, to live like him. And so we today have the same responsibility. Some individuals may be a role model for us, but they can only be a role model to a certain extent. Because we're going to make mistakes. We're going to fail sometimes. We shouldn't. 
fact of the matter is, sometimes we do. And so the only way I can ask you to follow me is follow me as I follow Christ. And that's just exactly what the Apostle Paul said. And so we need to follow Christ's example in every way because he made no mistakes. There was no sin yes. As we look at his death today, there was no sentence of death upon him. But he willingly took upon himself. Death held in the grave. That we might be able to experience a home in heaven. And we might be able to know him. Really know him as we live on this earth. Okay. Well, that's all I've got today. Let's have prayer as we end our session. Thank you, Father, for the time we gave. Thank you for supplying your word. The book of First Thessalonians, that we might look at the Apostle Paul and the other missionaries that were there with him and understand that these individuals gave an example too. And we need to follow you as they follow Christ. Your apostles were all called to be an example to others. We thank you for their lives. We thank you that they lived during a time when it was hard for them to be the kind of witness they needed to be. There was opposition on every side. And we see this as the Apostle Paul came to Thessalonica. But then even as he left, he was still a witness to those individuals. And this letter is part of that witness. And he was guiding that young church and helping, helping them to mature and become a strong witness in their world there in that first century. Help us to do the same as we live here in the 21st century. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, Phone or message at 6438-6541. Email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Thank you and God bless.